Hello and welcome back to Let's Grow Girls, uh, your friendly neighbourhood flower growing podcast where Nicole and I talk about flowers until we think we might pass out. Does that sound about right, Nicole? Does sound about right. We're all flowery over here today. Mm, and I remember last week we both had to go and lie down afterwards because we just, too many flowers. Too many flowers. Well, is there such a thing actually? No, but you can talk yourself out. I didn't know it was possible, but we did. We did talk ourselves out, didn't we? It was definitely a bumper episode. I learned so much. And I think, you know, this episode is going to be another one for the, the notebooks to come out, I think. Because drum roll today for you. Is that your drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It was an attempt at a drum roll, yeah. What with your tongue? You asked for one, I delivered, damn it. Okay, fine. Uh, today's guest is Charles Dowding. Ooh. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> and would you like to tell our guests who Charles Dowding is, just in case there's anybody been living under a rock out there? Charles Dowding is a hero, some may say. Uh, he is a god, other people may say, but he is most famous for his no-dig technique, so he encourages people to grow without digging. It's his big thing. And I mean, I don't know about you, but any less digging is always a good thing in my book. I mm. hate digging. Well, and I'm hoping we can get all the secrets from him because uh, I don't know if you've been on his Instagram or his YouTube, but my God is the man smug about the fact he's got no weeds. If there's one thing I hate more than digging, it's weeds. It's so weeds. I am down for any weed elimination. So right, so let's uh, let's get right into it and introduce our guest today, Charles. Hi, Charles. Welcome to the Let's Grow Girls podcast. Um, for those of you listening today, we've got Charles Dowding with us. You may have heard of him as the no dig expert and he's here today to give us some tips and tricks on how to get started with a no dig garden. Welcome Charles. Oh um, it's very nice to be here thanks Nicole and to Sarah as well. Welcome welcome. Um, Monty Don called you the guru of no dig gardening. How does that make you feel? Is that like wearing a crown? Um, yeah well for once he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Modest, yeah. modest. We've started calling you the No Dig King. Oh. I called Nicole to tell we we got you on, and I was like, we've got him, we've got the king. Um, I might have to give away Sarah's fangirling here, but <gasps> she was so excited when we managed to get you as a guest on the show. So we're really happy mm. to have you with us here today. Okay, great. Well, um, yeah, I, I appreciate what you're doing actually. So it's a pleasure to be here. Far away with your questions. <laughs> Well, we kind of mm. just wanted to get a bit of an understanding of um, what No Dig is about. So if you want to start with that, a lot of our listeners are, are brand new to the gardening game. Yeah. So just a, um, an overview to start with would be fantastic. Great. Yeah, well, No Dig is a lot about simplicity. It is um, When you go No Dig, you find that a lot of the rules that you might have heard don't apply anymore. For example, that you can actually walk on your beds and maybe rotation is a bit less important and um, yeah you, you can have a bit more fun I would say with no dig as uh, soil health leads so by leaving soil alone you are enabling all the microbes in soil to do their work more effectively your plants grow healthier you have a lot less weeds as well 
And from what I hear, actually, with, with flower growers, most flower growers in the UK are actually no-dig already. So uh, they've, they've sort of voted with their feet. And for beginners, yeah, there's just a few simple guidelines to follow. They, there's also, you know, some people try and make it more complicated than it needs to be. So, so I'm always urging, you know, keep, keep it simple. Look for the simplest way. And, and I'll guide you through that in, in this podcast. And how about you? So how did you get into No Dig? How did you get started? <laughs> well, I, um, when I started growing commercially in 1982, I, I was looking for simpler ways. And I, I'd been around market gardens before that and organic ones because it was all organic, which in those days was revolutionary. <laughs> mm. And I noticed how that there were just so many weeds everywhere I went. And, and these these guys were just they didn't have time to be creative you know they were they were just bowed under with with that weed pressure so i thought there has to be a better way than this and looked into mulching and then i came across ruth stout whose book is still available actually in pdf form uh she's american gardener and discovered no dig with mulching with hay and the hay keeps the weeds down so so far so good that kind of made sense so i actually bought a load of 400 bales of old hay uh, much to my father's amazement and horror, because he he's he was a dairy farmer and only dealt in good hay, <laughs> so I had this old hay knocking around and spread it on my beds that I'd made out. I first of all rotivated because I didn't didn't know any other way to kill the grass. It was an acre and a half, and I rotivated the grass so I got clean soil. And then I, right, how am I going to keep this clean? No weeds. So I put hay on the beds and I put straw in the paths. My brother was a farmer and gave me the straw. <laughs> So I was really well marched up and it looked very tidy. And then uh, the following spring, I was planting away and my plants started disappearing pretty fast with all the slugs that I'd given habitat to. Mm. So that's when I started to realise, hang on a minute, I went back to Ruth Stout's book. This can't be right. You know, <laughs> she doesn't mention slugs. And she's in Connecticut. And it took me a while to work that out. It's a dry climate, um, cold, dry winters, hot, dry summers. Mm. And... Actually, hay mulch makes a lot of sense for her. Not for us in the UK, though, or certainly not for me in Somerset. So uh, I started to remove the hay and put that on the compost heap, and things went better after that. But but I was hooked on the no dig, and I could see the sense of it, and you know, it, it felt right to me, not just not to disturb the soil. And and I did notice, without the hay mulch, I was getting a lot less weeds. And that's something that I've noticed all my life, you know, the, the fewer weeds. And all through the 80s, 90s, and noughties, never really twig much about that and and it's only recently i've been learning through people like elaine ingham she's well worth a look soul food web in in the u.s microbiology about how when you don't disturb the soil you're not disrupting the whole mechanism of soil and its need to grow pioneer weeds through the weed seeds like chickweed and goosegrass and annual meadowgrass which are always there you don't disturb them so they just don't need to grow and then with a compost mulch which is what i've came to discover you know rather than hay because you know you don't get slugs but you, you're feeding the soil micro life and and that also it kind of makes the soil happier you know, if you think of weeds as a, a response to soil disturbance because what they're doing is recovering the soil and if you think of that word recover it exactly mirrors and matches disturbance and rectifies disturbance so weeds are a recovery mechanism if you think of it like that mm. you know they're not random occurrences same as a lot of pests, you know, it's a really beneficial road to go down to ask yourself, why have I got this pest? You know, just like, why have I got the weed? And, 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 that, and that can tell you things about plants and what you might have done. Pests, you know, you sowed at the wrong time, mm. perhaps, or whatever it might have been. So with the compost mulch and 
not disturbing the soul. And it's always been a weed free approach. And only recently have I been, been bold and brave enough really to really put that out there because mm. people had previously been looking at my gardens and thinking I was just some kind of genius, you know, like had a, had a way about me of not having weeds. But since more people have been doing no dig and realizing, yeah, they haven't got any weeds either. So, yeah. you know, that, that there's a pattern there. Yeah. Let's, let's celebrate it i think that's no definitely something to shout about because it has to be one of the number one questions <laughs> i get from people is how do i stop weed and i always oh. say if you come up with the cure oh, then yeah. you know it's gonna make you a million <laughs> pounds but I, I think i think you might have just uh yeah. given us a little little secret insight there definitely sounds yeah. like a win if there are less weeds well it's it's it's, it's yeah it's the time saving part of it particularly as well and then because, you know, I think that's that's what we're all most poor in. It's not compost or seeds or whatever it might be. You know, it's time is the limiting factor. And if you take the massive amount of weeding that is needed when, when you disturb soil, um, and yeah, I still get incredulous looks when I say this, you know, if, if people haven't experienced it for themselves, that how, how little the weeds grow, you know, they find it hard to believe. And and I've so long now, I've been no dig that I find it hard to believe when I see go to allotments sometimes. Like, oh my god, you know, there's so many weeds. You'd be horrified if you saw mine, I think. Then, <laughs> oh, it's that you should see the flower patch, it's bad. it's bad, it's the goose grass, like you say, it oh, grows oh, really? like nothing oh. I've seen yeah. before. And yeah. you know, people keep saying yeah. to me, Oh, why don't my flowers grow like weeds? And I say, Well, weeds are kind of flowers, <laughs> they're just the strongest <laughs> ones of the lot, yeah. aren't they? That's why they grow above everything else. Well, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, yeah, certainly weeds are strong and that's why they end up predominating. But it is amazing how when you you know, like I say, you don't give them the, the need to grow, they they absolutely grow less. Mm. And I've seen the other side of it, and this is also reinforced my desire to be no dig. I Back in 1987, there was a massive shortage of organic carrots, and I managed to get a half acre of ground from my brother and rotivated it because I didn't know any other way at the time to just take in a large area of ground and get carrot seed in the ground. I paid a contractor to get them drilled, and that was in April. And we had a damp spring, and my word, the chip we didn't half grow in between those carrots. <laughs> we hoed those carrots three times, and the chip we just kept growing basically. And I never harvested one carrot from that whole half acre. You know, that was a bitter lesson. And and I, looking back on it, the, the farmers around here have a saying that chickweed follows the rotivator. And <laughs> that, if you think about it, that makes perfect sense because chickweed has really strong binding roots and rotivator has really broken up the soil and shattered it. So it's, it's compensating for that damage and healing it. Is that the same with bindweed? <laughs> well, no, actually, that's a bit different again. <laughs> bindweed is tricky, I'll give you that, and it takes a bit longer to eradicate than chickweed, but uh, I find with bindweed, if you first of all mulch it, that, that quietens it down, and it takes a while to get through a mulch, which could be cardboard, compost, even polythene through a few months, you know, whatever it you can handle during that starting out phase, which I call year one, which is the, the phase of dealing with your weeds big time before you get into mm. the promised land of not having many. Um, but the bindweed will keep growing, unlike, say, chickweed and groundsel and things. So it's the follow-up with the trowel. And and here, when I took on homemakers seven years ago, the there was a lot of bindweed in one area, and it nearly got me down, I have to say. But I just kept at it, and it took two summers of weekly removal with the trowel, and then there, there was no bindweed. And that, that I think that's the big difference between cultivating and not, that you can actually get rid of perennial weeds fully, 
and I'll just quickly put in a caveat here for <laughs> mare's tail and horse tail because you know that's that's the one that so many well not so many but a few people do struggle with and it's the most difficult one if you've got that you've you've just got to keep well, on it I'm afraid it's prehistoric um, isn't it I, it's like it's been here since before the dinosaurs so how are we going to get rid of it that's what someone told me uh, have you actually got it Sarah I have it on my You've heard it, Nicole. We we have it across the allotment plots. Um, some allotments have it worse right. than others, but we actually have um a chap on our plot called Mike. He'll be very excited that I mentioned him on the podcast. Um, that has been to one of your courses a couple of years ago, and I think he's the only person on our plot that doesn't have bindweed. Oh, good. That's good to hear. Well, thanks for sharing that. Oh, that will encourage other people as well. He's um converting the rest of us to it. <laughs> good. And the other thing, actually, I'll just quickly add is, you know, you can put roots of bindweed and cooch grass and all that stuff on your compost heap, even if it's not hot, because they're not invincible. People give them too much credence, I think. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to compost them. I'm way too scared. I'm way too scared to compost them. They always go in a oh, separate pile. <laughs> I just, no, no, there's no no okay, taking well. risks here. Oh. The amount of weeds we've had is incredible. It's not a risk, Sarah. <laughs> so we we um I wanted to do no dig in our big cut flower garden, the community one. But so I live on a high security army base, one of the most high security in the UK. And so getting tons and tons of compost through the gates was essentially like mission impossible. I had to get it signed off by like 10 people and then it was locked down and I couldn't find anywhere open. So in the end I relented and we deturfed the grass. So we skimmed off the turf. And then at someone else's insistence, the soldier's insistence, we turned the soil over. So I've had a weedy, weedy summer. The most weedy summer of my life. I've had those men just wanted to dig, didn't they? They did. And they (laughs) so we're putting in a set of allotments. And um, I've been told we can't do no dig allotments because men like to dig, apparently. Oh, this is this is hard to hear. I know. It it actually echoes the the, the, referring to Monty Donegan when the but gardeners world came here four years ago and, and there was a six minute slot on the program following april and then they went yeah. back to long um is it long weather he's gone and he was saying um he said no dig you know this was on gardeners world he said no dig guys isn't that great you know i really like i really like that i'll, I'll go no dig next year oh, okay <laughs> and then he said um the thing is i've always been a digger because i feel that it's moral you know he said to be no dig is immoral basically and you think well what did he mean by that and i think it's it's what what you were just alluding to men what like does to he do, mean by that men. how is it immoral well, it's lazy it's lazy ah, no it's lazy see, you know yeah. you're not working properly but they say works work smart not hard don't they work smart not harder yeah that's, well, that's a good way of putting me. it yeah yeah oh good and digging yeah. is hard okay. hard yeah. work yeah. so anything that means i don't have to use that spade or the fork and have to deal (laughs) with chickweed and goose grass and all of it i Mm. am sold Mm. so a lot of our listeners wanted to know like how to get started is now a good time to get started well do you know uh actually any any time it's good to get started um certainly now you can you can make a no dig bed depending what you start with you know it's, it's there's no one recipe if you like um, and, and according to what you've got available, like Sarah was saying, if you didn't have the materials, it can be difficult, but you don't necessarily need a huge amount of compost. For example, particularly if you're starting with quite weak weeds, which is mm. where, what I would call a lawn, for example. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to start with a lawn, because 
A lawn that's been mown regularly, the root system is a lot weaker than if you were starting with a wild and weedy pasture, for example. Mm. And thick cardboard on that, followed by just two inches, five centimetres compost, that could do it. I was going to say, so I'm about to put in new flower beds, yeah, so talk me through it. as if. So right. you were talking to me about my flower beds that I'm about to put in. Okay. I've got grass and I've got some weeds in the grass, so do I remove the weeds, do I dig them out? Okay, so when you say grass, is it is it like a sward of pasture or thick grass or just odd grasses? It's a lawn that has some weeds in it. Okay. Hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, right. So, and it has been, has it been mown? More or it less? has been mown, but not summer? very often because it's a random piece of grass on an army base. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, to me, that sounds very, very possible with, with the cardboard and, and minimum amount of compost. Okay, so I wouldn't have to dig out the specific weeds. Three centimetres. I would just put the cardboard No, the only weed I would dig out, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. good point. Docks, if you've got, and and big ones. If it's small docks just growing in the grass, say, that have been mown and so they're not strong, Mm -hmm. you can march them effectively with cardboard and compost. But if 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 you've got pasture like with big docks, I would take a sharp spade to each one, uh, put it in about four, six inches down, 15 centimetres, and remove the bit that comes out, a little bit of taproots still in there is fine. Brambles mm-hmm. is the other one, woody weeds. So mm-hmm. they need just chopping out around the main, any stems that you see coming out of the ground. Yeah. And then you can, uh, once you've got that, so all woody weeds and, you know, counting a big dock as a woody weed, they're all mm-hmm. gone. Cardboard, thick cardboard is good. Tape, <laughs> staples and tape off mm-hmm. and overlap it by 15 centimetre, six inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you, you've got you can't see any green anywhere and it would take would take quite a while for any weed or grass to find at the edge and a bit of light yeah. and then the compost on top and that mm-hmm. that is it but then you, you've got the question of like beds and paths uh how to mm-hmm. set that up um, i mean i would be inclined to do you know just if we stick with minimal compost here because that you know i hate to make it sound like it has to be a lot of compost i mean i often talk about a lot of compost because you for vegetables particularly because they're they're the Olympic athletes of the plant world and really, really benefit from high fertility more than flowers. Flowers will mm-hmm. enjoy it still. And, you know, you'll get loads of, I would say you get more blooms if you have more compost, but you still do mm-hmm. very nice flower gardening with a bit less compost. <laughs> so yeah. you've got your inch. And then um, maybe in the spring, you, you put a little bit more compost on what will become your bed and a little bit of wood chips, say, on what will become your path. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. So would you say that it's worth just starting one bed at a time? Um, I've got about 10 beds on Uh, my allotment. So do you think it's worth, I mean, I know it could seem quite overwhelming, couldn't it, to have to do the whole lot in one go? Could you do it bit by bit? Yeah, totally. That's a really good question, actually, because there's a nice thing about no dig, actually, as well, that, you know, you especially on larger scale if you're farming you know you people plow up an acre or rotate whatever and then you suddenly got this huge space to to do something with and before you know it, the weeds are growing but with no dig yes one bed at a time and and something else you could do is if you get hold of a bit of black polythene say which you can get very cheaply often for free maybe your local farmer you know just keep an eye out for it or builders whatever the cover black polythene put black polythene on the bit of ground you're not doing anything with to start with so that will just suppress the weeds there weeds die in darkness basically that's that's the rationale <clears throat> so that when you come to make your your next lot of no dig beds you your ground's almost clean already 
Mm. And that's a great tip, actually. Last year with the allotment, when I wasn't working on certain bits over the winter, I covered it and I was honestly amazed. But once you take that covering off, <laughs> they they yeah. come back pretty quick, don't they? Yeah, well, perennial weeds, that must be them particularly. I'm guessing things like, what, cooch grass, bindweed? Damn that cooch grass. I've got so much oh. of it. <laughs> it can grow, it somehow manages to grow underneath and out of paving slabs. Yeah, well, uh, that's you've got paving slabs on on your allotment. Um, that that separates the plots. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, any kind of path covering like slabs or gravel, dare I say, you know, actually makes weeding a lot more difficult. And certainly, don't ever put gravel down. And I would avoid not not putting slabs or anything if you've got a ch chance to start, you know, with a blank mm -hmm. canvas, so to speak. And and just the cardboard alone gets you off to a flying start. And then if you see cooch grass growing through the cardboard, say by next April, it's sort of reaching light again, put more cardboard on top and then do that again two months later. And I reckon by then that will take you through to July, August, probably your cooch grass will be dead by then. You know, like I say, it's not invincible, but you've got to be thorough. You've got to keep on it. And you've also got to do paths as well as beds, and that's why this paving slab idea is horrible because it just spreads in from the side then. So you've got to like, clean paths, clean beds. That's really yeah, important. Nicole, clean paths, clean beds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually no, didn't no. put the paving slabs down. They were there before I got there. And this year oh, yeah, I've had sure. cooch grass growing through them and yarrow. Yeah. So I've got some beds I've already dug. How would I convert them to a no-dig bed? Just cover them with cardboard or can I, do I skip that Yeah, step? and first of all, I'd, I'd rate them level, actually. It really helps if you start with a level surface. So any, any of you starting out with mm -hmm. ground that had previously been dug, you know, it often left quite sort of lumpy and a bit of a moonscape. Um, it might need a bit of digging to get it level. Scrape off the tops mm -hmm. and the peaks and put them in the hollow, so to speak. Because it's just a lot easier to work with a level, level ground. And yeah, then yeah. cardboard compost, as I described, but but always remembering those mm. paths. So like here, when I started out, I was using a, as much cardboard for my paths as for the beds, but less compost. Um, and you mentioned earlier about your kind of year one phase. So mm. what what I think when I started gardening a few years ago, it was I'm definitely of the generation of instant gratification and I soon realised that gardening is not about instant no. gratification, it's a process. <laughs> so for, for the listeners, I just wanted to, you know, give them an idea of how long to expect to have, you know, that type of weed-free environment. How long until weed-free bliss? That's what we're asking. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny you should say that though. I mean, instant gratification, is, yeah, nothing is instant. But actually, if, if you can afford or get hold of more compost, that really does speed up the process and um, can give you rapid results. So that that's one reason. But for investing a bit more in the beginning, if, if you, and, and it can repay you actually, because you, you get harvest sooner. But I would say, yeah, well, I, the whole year of year one can be more problematic. It depends mainly, you know, that, be clear on the difference between perennial weeds and annual weeds. So perennial weeds are the ones that keep growing back. So bindweed is the ultimate, well, mare's tail bindweed, then you've got cooch grass and then creeping buttercup, dandelion dock, um, ground elder. So any of those that you've got, they will slow down your path to weed-free bliss. <laughs> um, but if you if it's only lawn and chickweed, shepherd's purse, fat hen, south thistle, those are annual weeds and 
you know, within three, four months, you, even two or three, you, your ground can be very clean. Uh, but when you use quite a bit of cardboard, uh, one other thing can be slugs. So, and also if you're taking over a, quite a weedy piece of ground, it often has quite a high population of slugs. So that's something to bear in mind when you start out, and that will be much worse in you one. So th there's a few hurdles to to clear at the beginning, but <laughs> keep faith, don't be discouraged, and it really does get better every year after that. And so what's the optimal, like what's the optimum level of compost? So you said, was it one inch minimum? Is there like a, yeah. if you're going to splash out, what's your dream? What's your like gold level? How many inches of yeah. compost should we all aspire to? Slightly, slightly depending how good the compost is, but um, four to six, four inches, four inches would be fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly for flowers. What about for dahlias though? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, because you're you're planting the dahlia bulbs deeper than even four inches of compost. Is that is that what you're getting at? Yeah. So um, it's, I, I'm my big thing is dahlias. I'm I'm obsessed right? with them. Um, Cheers. <laughs> and obviously, they're going a bit deeper than that four yeah. inches. But also, it's the whole process of them having to dig the hole to put them in, the digging them up at the end of it. I just feel like. It's going against the no okay. dig. Yeah, actually, that's a nice question because that leads on to something else, which is minimal disturbance when you're planting. Um, if you get a hold of a good sharp trowel, you, you can make a hole just carefully by hand or possibly a bulb planter, actually, um, if you've got a lot to do um, foot operated. But, you know, making just the size of hole for your bulb, so it's not a massive excavating or digging job. And with a sharp trowel, for example, you can cut through cardboard and make a tailor-sized hole to fit your dahlia bulb into. And that's not going to allow many weeds come through. So I don't know how deep you actually bury your dahlia bulb, but it, it might be half in the soil and, and the top half in the compost, for example. And it, it you know it can be similar for potatoes. Um, although even potatoes, actually, you can almost nestle them in the compost on top. But does that sound feasible to you? Because, I mean, that's how I yeah, would imagine Yeah, I think so. It. It, it was just the whole, like, can you dig at all because obviously you've got yeah you've got to <laughs> make some sort of hole to put in plug plants yeah. or tubers or bulbs or that totally. kind of thing and yeah and i just wondered how no dig is not a religion <laughs> you know you, you some people it's ask me on cult. youtube you know yeah that's right oh, you know that these questions are like oh gosh how do you plant an apple tree with no dig you know do you just lay it on top and cover it with compost? <laughs> but they're genuine questions, I guess, that you must get asked quite a lot. Yeah, and I mean, they make me smile. You know, it's it's not like anything bad about it. It's just how people envisage the whole process. And it's absolutely not, you know, there is some sometimes some cultivation needed and you can't get away from that. It's, it's minimal yeah. disturbance, basically, because you have every advantage in disturbing the soil as little as possible. And so, there's, you know, there's no desire to to do that but sometimes for example with vegetables harvesting parsnips they go so deep and if you're on clay soil for example which i was in my previous garden it's incredible how they they anchor themselves in that clay and it's quite a job to get them out so you need a, a sharp spade i've just put a word in for copper tools here actually um which are more expensive but because they last so long they don't rust and they keep a sharp blade and you know like a copper trial which you can buy for about 35 pounds especially if you buy it before Brexit, it would be a good move. <laughs> and that will stand you in good stead for years to come. And it makes a lot of work easier going on. You know, having a good tool in your hand really, really is a nice mm. feeling and, and speeds things up. And the cardboard will eventually degrade completely. 
exactly it just it just decomposes in situ and that's the beauty of cardboard and, and we're talking here about something you don't need to do every year but this is just when you put it on weeds in year one i call it and and yeah it, it looks after itself it's food for worms apparently soil fungi even like the glues in cardboard that's some university in america came up with that one it's reassuring that's a great fact yeah. Uh, going back to the soil disturbance, um, so I had this quandary. We've been um, killing the gardens here, the community gardens, and I made the decision to leave the roots in. So we just chopped plants off at the soil top. We got rid of the tops Correct. and we left the roots in. Yeah. Um, is that what you'd recommend? So minimal disturbance? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and also, plus, think of it in a, this nice way that those roots are food for microbes. You know, they're, they're, they're feeding organisms that are in the soil. Think of the soil as a whole organism heaving with life and, you know, just therefore, as soon as you stick a spade or fork in, you're disrupting all that life that's actually really well sorted. It's all got its own little networks of talking to each other and feeding off each other. There's a lot of eating and excreting going on all the time and a lot of passageways that have been made for insects and, and fungi even to move around. You know, that there are a lot of networks there and that's the reason also which we're we find here when, when planting small plants, you know, uh, having covered bulbs and things, if you've got like module raised plug plants, that you just need to make a little hole with a wooden dibber and any little wood, wood, wood is good because it disturbs soil less, um, I reckon, than, than metal, uh, particularly iron. So wooden dibber, pop in your plug plant, put it in a little bit deep so that the stem is always buried. Um, I've never known a plant die from its stem being buried, whatever anyone else might say. That gives it support and, and, and holds moisture close to the roots for longer. And then what you'll notice is, I mean, I'm sure some of you who've done this will know, uh, when you transplant things, they, they have a kind of settling in phase when they're not quite so happy. I always say it's like, yeah. if you imagine somebody whipping you out of your bed and telling you you've got to get into another bed, it'd take you a couple yeah. of hours <laughs> to get comfy again. And it's the same with the the plants, I always notice it with dahlias. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like it takes, like they almost go into shock for two weeks. Right. You have to wait for them. Yeah. People think they're not growing. They get into a panic. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what what we notice what we notice with no diggers actually are faster recovery, because that the network the the, the organisms that I was mentioning before. You know, think of the the mycorrhizal fungal network that until recently was hardly ever mentioned and now suddenly people are realizing why wow, this actually need to take this seriously because it's it's a big operation going on down there and and, and it can really work for us so you're you're putting in these little plug plants and very quickly well very quickly say within a week they're they're teaming up with this microbial network the fungal network that's there and we notice here you know that the speed of growth is phenomenal after that first week uh i was showing some friends around here yesterday um we were looking at the polytunnel that we planted up with winter salad, mid-October, uh, pretty small, frail-looking seedlings, and you look at them now, you know, you can just see they've got that air of, right, I'm here, I'm, I'm growing, I'm going for it. And, and this is coming towards the end of October, days are short, and then it's not as warm anymore, but the, the, there clearly is that thing going on, that, and it's so reassuring and gratifying. And as a grower, it's, it's wonderful, because also it, I think it's helping plants to survive slugs yeah, you know, we, we we get very few losses to slugs once we got through year one in that high slug population, and so yeah, there's there's really a lot about no dig that that once once you get set up, you will really come to like. 
I feel like if you had an allotment, you'd be the allotment guy everyone hated because you'd be over there with no <laughs> weeds, no slugs, just like, oh, no, no, you know, no, like no, brushing the dirt off your shoulder. That's why I feel like we need to get on board with <laughs> with Mike's no dig at the at the allotment plot because he is has an enviable plot with his lack of weeds and um healthy looking veg so um it's kind of what prompted mm. me to look yeah. into the well, there you go. That, that's aspiration <laughs> so if people don't have their own compost that they've been making you know they're starting a new garden is the shop bought stuff okay uh, you've opened a can of worms there <laughs> um, <laughs> Here we yeah, go. normally i would have said yes it, it's and, and normally yes but there is this caveat especially now with pyrolid weed killer and I, I suspect that one of two of your listeners might have suffered that where you've, you've had a compost that's contaminated with this horrible stuff, which by no stretch of the imagination should be allowed in a, in a sane society. It would have been outlawed by now. If we had a, a proper government that really cared, it would have been outlawed. Um, it's made by Dow. It's a weed killer and that used increasingly in farming. It's a broadleaf weed killer. And it's also used, this is the worst bit now, on a lot of people's lawns by contractors employed by people to look after their lawns. People don't even know it's gone on there, I reckon. And they come in and spray this stuff. It clopyrolid is called kills acetabs dandelions, you know, so it gives what people think is a nice green sword of grass. But the result is this stuff doesn't break down in compost. So grass is mown, goes to the recycling centre, oh. it's turned into compost and it's been in things like Westlands Jack's Magic. It's been in big brands. Um, you know, so big names, J. Arthur Bauer, uh, you can't be sure. I would ninety ninety eight percent maybe is still fine, but if you're the unlucky two percent, yeah, it, it it will kill a lot of and things what, like that. What will that do to the soil? Well, it the soil will break it down eventually. So it doesn't break down in the compost heap. It's all very strange. Uh, but soil macros break it down eventually. But I mean, I tell you, who had it real bad was Sarah Raven. You know, she she bought some um, green waste that unbeknown to her was mixed with horse manure, and it killed a lot of her dahlia plants and this was two years ago she tried to take them to court she the, the compost company couldn't get anywhere you know this lot of corporate power you're coming up against yeah, but this was sarah raven uh, she won't mind me saying this because look at the horror on nicole's face i know <laughs> yeah i mean you know again i don't want to make everyone fearful but it's just to inform yourself and if if you have access to a bit of say potential manure um that you might use if you get yeah. hold of some and sow some broad beans you'll know within three or four weeks um that it, it's hopefully clean because they'll be growing fine. But if you get it mm. twisting and curling of new leaves in the centre of the plant, that's that's a sign, for example. Same with potatoes, tomatoes, um, dahlias, sunflowers. So I guess but, what you're saying is making your own compost is better. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, there's a limit to how much we can all do that. Um, it's certainly up my game. Wood chips is a good source of free organic matter, but you have to obviously need to leave time for them to break down. But they're great for piles. Mm. Uh, for example, that yeah. blooming, um, oh my god, her name's gone out of my head. Organic Blooms <clears throat> near, near, near Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, good lady there took on a four acre field and, and used green waste compost. This was about five years ago now, and wood chip in the path and, and got rid of all the weeds like that. And it just worked a dream. But that was using quite a bit of wood chip for the paths, and that was perhaps at a time when the green waste compost was not quite so contaminated as now. But Mushroom compost mostly should be okay. It doesn't have too much horse manure. Is horse manure a problem? Well, it's more likely to have this pesky weed killer in because it's more, some some farmers put it on horse hay, on 
on fields of grass growing growing hay for horses. Also known as a quote. Oh, okay. Picky about their hay. That's the, I think that's why. And then so we've got some <laughs> audience questions. These are submitted via Instagram. And um, one that we haven't covered is, I have soggy clay soil. Do I need to do anything extra when preparing? No. <laughs> clay soil is good. No. You know, I, I've, I've had different levels of clay over the years and clay holds nutrients, it holds moisture. When you say soggy, uh, I'm guessing that means just because we've had quite a bit of rain recently. Um, the only caveat could be that if you're on a site, this is more site problem than soil problem, that has really poor drainage and it kind of goes underwater in the winter, that sort of thing. Maybe I wouldn't try growing there or you need to get some land drains in, but no, clay soil, just go for it, uh, be happy. <laughs> okay, Fab, and the next one is, what advice would you give an absolute beginner? Yeah, start small. I believe mm -hmm. believe in, in this whole process, it, it, it works, but you're gonna be learning a lot as you go. Um, there is a lot to learn, but it, and it's much more fun on a small scale. Make, make, make your mistakes small. So even start with one or two beds, you know, depending what you, you actually want to do and how quickly. But, but starting small can always be much more fun than big. And also with nodding, actually, you should find that you're getting much more yield. Certainly it's true with vegetables. Like here in my garden, I've got my, my trial beds, because I'm measuring the yields, I know exactly what's coming off them. And five feet wide, 16 feet long, that's 1.5 by five meters really not a huge space every year 100 kilos of vegetables you know and that's a wide range of vegetables 100 from, kilos yeah what? 100 kilos yeah from late april oh. through to december and, you know that's little and often right through the year it's quite topical isn't it because like the steer is going more towards eating more veg isn't it and, and yeah. not yeah. eating so much meat to be better for the environment so it's kind of going full circle isn't it yeah there's one other thing that links into beautifully is the <laughs> The growing awareness of gut health and how microbes in our guts are very similar to the soil microbes and so if you cultivate healthy soil basically by not cultivating it by no dig you know no dig you get the best healthiest microbial population your vegetables are going to have a lot of those microbes about them when you eat them you know, don't wash them too much uh, salad leaves yeah give them a rinse but that, that's enough and carrots well I'll just pull them give them a wipe on your trousers and eat them the old saying is eat a peck of soil in your lifetime and to be healthy and a peck is something like a quarter of a bushel it's uh, nine liters or something vast amount of soil so yeah all those kinds of things tie in so nicely to the times we're coming into we you know not also where food might be a bit short or whatever i dread to think but grow your own do that alongside your flowers for all of you aspiring flower growers <laughs> okay. what do you Definitely. think about um doing no dig in a border ah Oh, yeah, you're Could talking about a flower a border, border as well as a bed. Well, yeah. Um, but when you say border, do you mean like with herbaceous plants, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, in a in a sort of a a traditional garden, we I mm. see a lot of people who are you know buying these new build properties and wanting to make um, flower beds in there, or maybe a small, um, you know, some of them do have the raised beds, but often it's a the traditional type of border shape yeah well same i mean it's no different just go for it yeah same process i mean that's why going back to what i said in the beginning no dig is very simple keep it simple don't overcomplicate it mulch the weeds starting out be thorough apply a bit of compost to feed the soil microbes they look after everything else for you they maintain structure drainage and they help your plants to grow you know 
what could be better i love how laid back this is i feel like we've all been stressing and you're just here being like chill out don't dig. Just <laughs> Good, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, right. So the next one is, is it okay to prepare your beds now and leave over winter to plant into in the spring or should you prepare them as and when you need? Well, you can do either, but there's if, if you're ready for it now and you've got the materials, yeah, um, do it now and then you can relax a bit over winter. And I, there's one important point to add to that, a bit of misinformation that's out there and people worry about nutrients leaching out of compost, put on the ground, say in the autumn, then the rain is washing through over winter. Um, it doesn't actually happen because compost is not fertilizer. Compost holds nutrients in water in soluble form. All the microbes hang on to them. So these are not like nitrogen, potassium, um, phosphorus, the soluble nutrients you get in fertilizer bags. These are This is long-term food. So yes, you can make beds now and that works really well. Would you cover them with anything until you're ready to plant or would you just weed well, them go, and leave the best? Yeah, on, you don't need to cover them. So say you're putting on compost, you, um, that's what I do here. I just put a bit of compost on my beds. They're weed free already. And, and then we just leave them until the spring. But what we do in the winter is just a bit of hand weeding. If we see a bit of grass at the old cleaver, a bit of grass, you know, before they go to seed in the winter, a bit of hand weeding, that's all. But thanks for having uh, you... well, Thanks for having you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming uh, on. And um, before you shoot off, do you want to tell us how these nice people who've been very sold on Growing No Dig can learn more from you? Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, that's nice. I, I'll mention my, my new book and my calendar. Um, I, well, actually, the calendar of sowing dates is more for vegetables, but I have just brought out a book that's mm -hmm. sort of No Dig starting out. It's based on my online course, and it's really packed full of information. It's, 90,000 words and 900 photographs. So that's um, a way to What's learn. What's it called? Yeah, uh, it's called No Dig Gardening from Weeds to Vegetables Easily and Quickly. But actually, in view of my audience here, it could be from weeds to flowers. It's, you know, there's, there's actually yeah. no difference <laughs> in the in the process. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I love your, you do a twice, is it twice monthly blog post or twice season? And you're I always do, talking yeah. about what you're growing and how you grow it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that I'll be writing one of those this weekend. That's coming up. I send out a newsletter, actually, as well, twice twice monthly. You can subscribe to that on my website. Um, yeah, <laughs> I look forward to meeting you virtually, um, maybe in the flesh. We we do run courses here. I think what I've really learned from our chat tonight is that it's about just getting stuck in. Good. So more than anything else, you know, don't worry too much about all these rules um just get your cardboard get your compost and get started and chill out <laughs> <laughs> nicely said nicole and sarah yeah i'll go with that so i wish everyone success and enjoy the process <laughs> so on that note thank you so much for joining us uh we loved having you lovely flowery people we hope you enjoyed the episode and uh if you have any more you want to learn from Charles, because he is a font of knowledge, uh, make sure to check out his Instagram, uh, his YouTube and his blog are all full of wonderful information as well as his book, like he mentioned. But going on to, well, going back to us, because obviously, you know, we're very important. All about all us. About us. There's a all whole point us. of this podcast, it's just us talking about us. Uh, next week, we have another exciting guest. We are spoiling you. Who's up next week, Nicole? Two guests. Two oh, technically, guests, actually. Yeah, technically. We have got two very lovely ladies, Carol and Justine, co-chairs of Flowers from the Farm. So if you've 
dreamt of turning your little cut flower patch into a business, then next week's the episode for you. They'll be telling us all about how to make the step up from a cutting patch to something more. Very well sold, Nicole. God, look at you go. That was 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, I'm I'm here for it because I think, I think we both want to make that upgrade, don't mm. we? So anything we can learn, any support we can get, I think we've got to take it. It at least needs to start paying for itself. God, the amount of money I spent. <laughs> it's, it's not a cheap hobby, mm. this. I mean, but it, I, I love it. And Nicole, what should they do? So you should always make me do this. Well, if you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we'd yeah. absolutely love it if you left us a review. We read, <laughs> we read every single review and we do a little happy dance every time we read we one. Do. So yeah. please leave us one. We love them. And um, you can also join our Facebook group if you aren't mm-hmm. already a member. Um, search for us. There's two groups on there, actually. There's our main page, but we've also got a dedicated group where we talk all things flowery too. So come along and find us over there. And to find them, you just type Let's Grow Girls into the little Facebook search bar and they, fingers crossed, should come up. I come think. join our club come join our club and you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so apple or spotify or google and then you'll get notified when the episodes go live because we actually go live a lot earlier on friday than instagram would have you believe so that way you get to hear it first and we all like being first right mm, i do mm. <laughs> so on that note thank you so much for joining us we god this is so fun it's flowers god amazing and we will see you next week stop laughing at me nicole bye bye as much as i um got from him I, I also have Ugh, I can't even get my words out Sarah words are hard <laughs> <laughs> sometimes English is hard <laughs> you speak the truth there yeah right